Hello, welcome to another podcast on preventive health and safety. I'm Alan Dockerty. I'm so glad that you could join me today. Listen, if you didn't hear last week's podcast on Mum Was Right, you got to take some time and listen to it. Had a lot of good comments on there. Uh, some of the comments were based around the fact that there was a really good presentation on how to wash your hands. And maybe not so important for the adults, but they said it was a really great way to teach their kids how to wash their hands properly. So, And I know you know how to wash your hands, and I know you know how to teach your kids that. There might be a couple tips on that podcast that you might want to listen to. Today we're going to talk about age-specific safety. Now, in age-specific safety, we simply are going to look at some things that may not be a risk now, but a few years down the road may be a risk or some things that are at risk now that maybe won't be a few years down the road. I'm going to use some examples and talk about some things that I hope that you will find helpful. I'm not going to go over the whole lifespan from infancy to old age. I'm going to skip around a little bit, but you'll get the general idea that each in each age group, as people progress through their lifespan, there are different things that can be safety risks, and that's what I kind of want to explain today. So let's have, uh, we have a couple here, and it, we'll call them Jerry and Sharon, and they have a little child called Bryson, brand new baby, and uh, they come home from visiting their mom and dad, and as they do, Jerry's getting his car keys out and put it on the table like he always does, so he'll be ready for work the next morning. And as he does, a penny falls out of his pocket, hits the floor and rolls somewhere and uh he just can't find it i mean they have some nice hardwood brown floor and the penny was brown so there he just wasn't able to keep his eye on it but he didn't really think too much about it didn't think it was a big problem no one was going to slip and fall on a penny and he couldn't think of any other ways that it could be dangerous <clears throat> so at that time that penny didn't really represent any type of risk 10 months later Little Bryson is the fastest creepy crawly in the East. He can run from, go from one end of the floor to the other end of the floor on those hands and knees in no time at all. Now, if Jerry was to drop a penny again, you better realize that that definitely is a safety hazard. I mean, you don't think about it so much when they're infants and they're not on the ground, but when they're crawling, I guarantee you, no matter what you lose or what you put on the, get on the floor, they're going to find it. And uh, so now it becomes a safety risk. When you think about it, over 750,000 children in the U.S. during a study that went from 1995 to 2015, a 20-year period, 750 children, that means three-quarters of a million children, were seen in the emergency room because they put something in their mouth that got lodged or stuck or they were choking on, things like batteries, coins, and toys, and all kind of other things. Just something they put in their mouth, they ended up choking on it and had to go to the emergency room. 750000 in a 20-year period. So you can imagine, it, it really is an issue for children that, I mean, it's almost automatic and instinctive for children 
of, of the creepy crawly age around 10 months and up to, uh, you know, a little bit over a year or so. I mean, they just put everything in their mouth and they continue to do that until they learn a little bit better later on down the road. But there's a lot of other things that you have to look out for too. For example, electrical outlets. Now, when children are crawling around on the floor, those electrical outlets seem to be right at head level. And I, I don't know how they do it, but they notice them, don't they? You, they could have a huge wall, I mean huge, and they're going to head right for that outlet because it's different, I guess, but they never, it never seems to fail. That's exactly what they do. Over 2,400 children in a year were treated because of electrical injuries due to electrical outlets. 2,400. I mean, that's just staggering when you think about it. And that's why it's so important as the children age that we start thinking more specifically about the things that they can now get into that they couldn't get into when they're laying in their crib or in their playpen or in their swing. But now there's a lot more things available to them. Not only that, you've got to be careful with the stairs. I mean, now that they're creeping and crawling and sometimes maybe even in a walker, uh, the stairs can be devastating for children. It is told that over 900,000 children under the age of five were treated in the emergency room from 1999 to 2008. So that's a nine-year period. There were 900,000 children treated in the emergency room across the United States because of falls related to stairs. So that means, that, you know, some of the children, they say that some of these were walker-related, meaning they were upstairs in a walker and they got too close to the steps and fell down the steps. Or they were crawling or perhaps walking upstairs and they fell down the steps. You say, well, we got that covered. We have a gate upstairs. Anytime we're upstairs with that little tank, we make sure we put the gate up and that is wonderful. But don't forget, when they're downstairs, you need to put a gate too. So, well, they're not going to fall up the stairs. Well, they might not, but they might crawl up or walk up far enough on those steps than to turn around and fall down the steps. So steps are something that you really have to watch with young children. Then you think about the cabinets. You know, they start crawling around and opening this and opening that and pulling on this and pulling on that. A lot of times people keep poisonous substances underneath their cabinets, especially under the sink. I mean, I, I know when we were growing up, there was stuff under the sink we weren't allowed to get into and quite poisonous things. Some of those furniture polishes are, are, are nasty poisons. Uh, pesticides, obviously, organophosphates, terrible poisons. Anything that a child can get into should be securely locked or put in a, a room and make sure that they're not accessible to any children in the household. Now, there's a, a organization called Up and Away, and they talk about this and talk about the Medicaid or the uh, getting under those cabinets. And they say that, you know what, uh, every year 300 children are treated for poisons. 300 children a year, not hardly. 300 children a day. Every day, children are being treated for poisons that they contacted somewhere in the house and were able to get into. That is unbelievable. Folks, we've got to remember that as our children age, 
we have to do a better job of making sure that the house is safe. You may have a brand new baby and say, okay, everything is good to go. We've got our smoke detectors. We've got our carbon monoxide detector. we got this, we got that. But don't forget, as children age and get older, there are more things that then are going to become safety hazards as well. <laughs> you got to be careful of everything. Dog dishes, litter boxes. I mean, everything that that child can get into, sooner or later are going to get into it. So just be careful and make sure that as they get to around that age, you're thinking specifically about the things that they need to be kept from. Let's get on the road about five years and think about some things. How about they go around and start exploring and what's in all the drawers and what's in all the cabinets? You, I don't know if you can remember back to when you were five years old or not, and I'm not sure how far I can remember back. Of course, it's been a lot longer for me probably, but I can remember all the time looking for stuff. As a matter of fact, my brother and I, I hate to tell on us, but I think the statute of limitations is over. My, my brother and I, one time we opened up a drawer and we found my mom's antique coins. I mean, you know, just a whole box that had been passed down from generation to generation. And uh, we actually took some of them and went around the neighborhood trying to sell them. You know, here, can I have a quarter for that? We wanted to go to the store and buy some candy. And when Mom found out about it, eh, she wasn't quite as happy as she was when she was telling us to wash our hands, right? So what I'm saying is that, you know, you know as well as I do that children like to explore. And they like to look in things and find out what's here and what's there. And sometimes they'll stop and pull open a drawer and say, oh, wow, Dad has a gun. Now we have a pretty big problem. The truth is that in 2021, there were so many accidental shootings that it actually caused 104 deaths and 168 pretty serious injuries. 104 deaths and 168 injuries from accidental gun shooting that a child found a gun in a drawer played with it, gun went off, and either shot themselves or shot another child who was nearby. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a, I don't like to see anybody get shot, but one child getting killed or shot because of an accidental gun fire, that's too many. So, you know, I've talked to people about this issue, uh, and, you know, you can go back and forth and people say, I want to have a loaded gun in the house for protection. And then someone will say, well, if you're going to have a loaded gun in the house, you may, you got to put it in a safe or you got to have it locked up or put a lock on it so that you have to have a key to open it up and that way no one can get into it and get hurt. And they say, well, truth is, if I go to all that trouble, I can't use the gun for protection because they're not going to stand idly by and wait till I get my gun out before they start trying to hurt my family. So, you know, what's what's the answer? And I just say this. There's more of a chance of your child getting into that gun and having it accidentally discharged than there are people breaking into your house, most likely. Number two, if you can't put a lock on the drawer that the gun is in, at least keep that door locked to the room when you're not in there. So you may be sitting in your recliner, half falling asleep, half watching TV, and those kids may be running around the house, or maybe you're not even home. Uh, maybe you're at work and your wife's busy cooking supper, 
those are the times that you have to be concerned about what those children are doing. And so the best thing to do, if you don't want to put a lock on the gun or put it in a safe, make sure the door to the bedroom is locked. So then I have to go unlock the door every night when I want to go to bed. <laughs> Please, come on now. Isn't it worth it? I mean, think about it for a minute. Just being able to reduce the risk and take that chance away has to be worth something. Just all kind of things to consider when children get older. Let's go five to ten more years down the road. Now what do we have to watch out for? Huh. Did you know that almost 35,000 young people are brought to the emergency room every year because they've got into their mom and dad's medicine cabinets and taken some of the prescription medications? 35,000. It's very, very crucial and important to make sure you understand that these kids, once they get old enough to get into things, they're going to do it. I mean, you remember how you were when you were a child, and I remember too. Uh, you know, but nowadays we've got to be ultra careful about making sure they can't get into the medications. As they get older in the teenage years, sometimes they do it intentionally. And, of course, that's horrible, but a lot of times it's just simply getting the medications down. Or, you know, what else happens is you may get a medication out to take some, put it on the counter, and forget all about it. And then even the younger children can come around. And thank goodness for childproof caps, right? Now, I have trouble getting into them. I'm sure the children wouldn't have that much trouble, but thank goodness they came out with some bottles that were a lot safer and a lot harder to get into. But it's something that you really need to think about. Keeping those medications away from children. Keeping them locked up. Keeping them out of reach. And always, always, always talking to your children about how dangerous it can be for them to take anything other than what you personally give them. Don't forget the alcohol. Now, maybe not when they're 10 years old. But by the time they get to 14, 15, 16, 17 years old... They're going to be very tempted to try that alcohol. They see maybe you drinking it sometimes. They hear the kids at school talking about drinking alcohol, and uh, they may want to experiment and try it. But it can be very damaging for children. It can be deadly. They can actually die of alcohol poisoning. They could aspirate uh, because they've gotten so intoxicated from the alcohol. Just a lot of things can happen. So please keep the alcohol away from children and make sure, again, they understand that it can be dangerous and that, you know, it's not time for them to start experimenting yet with alcohol. Not only that, there have been so many cases of children drowning that between, now listen to this, between the ages of one and four, the leading cause of death is drowning. The leading cause of death is drowning. Over 700 children a year are brought to the emergency room because they fell into an unattended pool or hot tub. 700. I mean, that's just way, way, way too many. Truth of the matter is, there's about 6,700 children. Now, this is going up to the age of about 18. From 18 down, 6,700 a year are brought to the emergency room and treated for drowning or near-drowning incidents. So, folks, what am I saying? I'm saying that, you know, as these kids get older, you have a pool outside, 
better make sure that it's protected. You better make sure that there's a gate around it and they can't get through the gate because these young children get into those pools and they may think they can swim. They may just get too close and accidentally fall in, but these drownings take place every year. Can you imagine that? I mean, and the, and the fourth leading cause of death of, of children of all ages is drowning. So between one and four, it's the leading cause of accidental death. So be aware of that and make sure that if you do have a pool or a hot tub, something like that, that the children know to stay away from it and you do everything you can to be precautious. Now, let's go way down the road, okay? Uh, and and I th you're getting the idea, I'm sure. You're understanding what I'm trying to say, and I don't want to belabor the fact but I want to go just a little bit further. Let's talk about when maybe 40 years down the road and now Jerry and uh, Sharon are, are getting elderly. As they do, there's a lot of things you need to consider. Now, maybe during their lifetime, they didn't think they needed any help getting in and out of their shower, which was actually a bathtub with a shower attachment. But as we get older, legs get a little bit weaker, balance gets a little bit off, vision gets a little less. There's a, a so much greater chance of a fall, and there are so many falls in the bathtub. It's just amazing. They have actually estimated that a third of seniors over 65 slip and fall each year. A third of all the seniors over 65 slip and fall each year, and 80% of those, 80% of those occur in the bathroom. So this is something that you got to be concerned about. Are there handrails that they can hold on to, grips that they can hold on to as they get in and out of that shower? You know, I, I mean, I definitely recommend if, you, if you're if you all able to do it, when you get to that age and you don't use the bathtub anymore to get a walk-in shower, it's much safer, it's much easier for elderly people to get in and out, and there's far less dangers of a fall. Now, there's still always possibility but it's you're reducing the risk quite a bit if you have a walk-in shower is there something on the 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 bottom of the bathtub that is slip resistant i'll tell you what i'm only 67 and i can remember several times over the last few years that before i got my mat in there uh, I, I almost slipped a couple times in the bathtub it gets soapy, it gets slippery, and you just don't think about it because all these years I've been jumping into the bathtub shower without having any problems, and I don't slip and I don't fall. As you get older, the legs get weaker, you have a lot of things going on, and the risk for a fall is much higher. So get something there, a grip or something that you can hold on to, and get something on the, on the, the, the bottom of the bathtub so that you don't slip and fall. I mean, it can be quite dangerous, and we've got to do everything we can to help. And then you think about it, about 1.6 million older adults seek emergency care. 1.6 million every year seek emergency care for falls. Now, these falls cause fractures, head injuries, and all kind of other conditions that are very, very damaging to elderly people. If someone falls, an elderly person falls and breaks their hip, there's a 25% chance, now this is sad, 25% chance that they'll die within six months to a year. 25% chance. 
Folks, falls are serious, and safety for elderly people is so important. You, you think about all the other things, like things that you never thought of before when, when they were younger or you were younger, like holes in the yard. You know, maybe you have a dog and there's some holes out in the backyard or there, you dug a rock out and there's a hole that needs to be filled in. Those might not be a problem for younger people, but for an elderly person, it could be a fall. They try to catch themselves with their hand and they end up with a fractured wrist. And then they fall down backwards and hit their hip and now they have a broken hip. It, it can happen and it does happen. If it didn't happen, I wouldn't be talking about this. But it's something that happens all the time and we need to be aware of that. So I'm not just talking about you, by the way. I'm talking about your parents. I'm talking about your older relatives, maybe even the neighbors. Be thoughtful. I know when my dad was getting older, he was a stubborn old man. But he was a good one, but he was stubborn. And he tried to do things that I didn't want him doing anymore. I didn't want him getting up on top of a ladder and cleaning out the gutters. I didn't want him... Uh, you know, trying to saw a limb off a tree because the limb was bothering him. I, I didn't want him doing some of that stuff because it's so much more dangerous as you get older. You're not able to quite do the things you want. And a lot of us are so stubborn, like, hey, <laughs> I'm still young at heart and I can do all kinds of things. Well, you may, but you're still at a lot more risk for falls and other injuries than you were when you were younger. So please, just think about that. Uh, I've actually, in backyard, have these, what do you call them, squares. They're, they're like cement squares. And they're kind of uneven. Every once in a while, you get a heavy rain, and it settles kind of funny, and it'll rock back and forth a little bit. You know, you don't think about those things at all. But you know what? Have an elderly person walk out on that with an unsteady gait. And, and not able to walk well or not able to see as good and they could trip and fall or just twist an ankle and fall. All kind of things they can do. Things like that make a huge difference. Stuff out in the yard that shouldn't be out there. They're just, just laying around. You know, if they go out there and it's getting kind of dark, they could fall. Just be age conscious about all your safety efforts. That's all I'm trying to say today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm just so excited to be able to present things that I feel might be able to help. Now, you might have listened to this whole podcast. Maybe just one little thing popped out at you. Maybe one thing that you can change or that you can talk your parents into changing or you can look out for your children's children. Uh, A lot of times they won't listen to a podcast on safety and preventive health. But maybe you can get to them and say, hey, listen, let's go around the house and just take a look at some of the things. Or maybe you don't have to make an official announcement. Just do it. Just kind of look around and say, oh, I notice you don't, you don't have those, uh, outlets that are safety outlets. Uh, And people can stick, you know, little kids can stick things in there. Aren't you worried about that? Just help them out a little bit. Make sure there's a lock on that kitchen cabinet under the sink where all the poisons are stored or have those poisons stored somewhere else. Make sure they have gates so the kids can't get near the steps and make sure there's not a lot of things laying on the floor they can put in their mouth. Oh, I'm not going to rehearse everything again. (laughs) I just go on and on. So, age-specific safety. 
It's a real thing. It's a real concern. And if you notice, I skipped over most of the teenage years because, wow, we could spend a whole session just on that. All right. Make sure that uh, you tell your friends about this podcast. My name is Alan Doherty again, and preventive health and safety is something that can save your life and keep you well. Thanks for joining.